Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So here we are, the latest episode of the Brighton Rock podcast, fresh from a match day special on Saturday. Hope you all had a good listen to that and noted there was no slurring or was there? Hmm. Anyway, we're back. It's me and Peter, just the two of us at the moment. We may get Robin joining us from France where he's on holiday, but it sounds like he might have a bit of hooky Wi-Fi. So that is an unlikelihood, uh, I think all said. Um, so yeah, Peter, hello. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Yeah, you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. We, um, we did cover Everton with some analysis uh, post-match, but we'll probably go into it a little bit more just to get your views, maybe expand on a couple of other uh, topics we were discussing. We've got that coming up, some general football news, and of course, some other exciting stuff may or may not happen today, Peter, because... Today is Tuesday the 31st, which means it's transfer deadline day. And mm-hmm. as, we, as we stand, Albion have literally just minutes ago completed the signing of uh, striker Seema and loaned him out to Stoke City. And as far as we're aware from various sources or everything we've heard, that is probably going to be it for today, which we'll, we'll, we will reflect on our thoughts on that later on. But I'm really hoping for some more late night news that we can, like you know, kind of like last minute signings of a striker who actually stays at the club, maybe might be good, but... Uh, What's that vaporous stuff coming out of your ears, Peter? Is that steam? I can't quite work it out. <laughs> I don't think you're a happy funny. It's just my natural way. look. It's just the way I look. <laughs> oh, dear. So there we go. So we'll cover all that. Obviously, we'll do a summary of everything, really, this summer as well. Um, summer summary. Yeah. Friend of the show, Charlie's just posted on one of our WhatsApp groups um, the comprehensive summary of all of our ingoings and outgoings that we've um, we've conducted this window so far. And, we could, um, we could do a whole show list in the outgoings. Yeah, yeah. The, well, one list is substantially longer than the other, uh, which was not a surprise, but it's also which, which was needed. In fairness, I mean, it was always going to be a summer where where it, we we let a lot more players go than we actually brought in, or certainly on, on loan and permanently. I don't have an issue with that. My uh, yeah, the concern is the fact that we hit the one one key player missing from the ends. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. And we'll get into we'll that move on to after we've talked about the uh, the, the fun yeah. that was Everton home. 
Yes, exactly. We'll, we'll get on to that later. Yeah, exactly. Everton, let's have let's have some fun with that one first, shall we? Um, so we covered it on the, the match day special. You obviously went in on that one, Peter. But I mean, the essential crux of the matter was uh, from the game, which obviously finished 2-0 to Everton, uh, goals from Damari Gray, who's one of the bargains, actually, of this transfer window. Uh, someone I would have liked us to have signed it, certainly at that price. Do, yeah. Was it one point? 1.5 million, was it? Yeah, um, I guess his wages are reasonably high, but still, uh, yeah, very yeah, good. Well, I think, there's a, I think there's a printing error somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure they've left a couple of digits off. Anyway, they signed him. They got him in, in time to play us, unfortunately, and he did score in the 41st minute. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who quite likes scoring against us, he's done it before, um, converted, after a little bit of a squabble with Richarlison, converted the 58-minute penalty, which sealed the deal, 2-0 in the end. Um, Alan with the assist, by the way, on the first goal. Um, so, general summary, Peter, what we, what we said on that uh, match day special was that it felt that, in general, Everton were the better side, outclassed us. Um, they did bully us off the ball a fair bit as well, and that we lacked for pace really was a telling element in this game. The fact that um, we didn't really have, especially in the wide areas, with, of course, Solly March unexpectedly being left out of the team on account of the fact that He's, um, I think we've got a minor injury there, haven't we? I haven't looked yeah, into the details. Yeah, minor hamstring injury, I think it was. Hopefully, we'll be back after international break. Yeah, yeah. So, we we started with, um, well, we had Sanchez in goal, Webster, Duffy and Duncan, also the centre-backs. Um, playing with, effectively with Grosch and Modder, I think, as the wing-backs, weren't we, by and large? Yeah. Um, Lalana Basuma central, Trossard and McAllister further forward central, and Morpé as the uh, as the main striker. Um we had Basuma booked and we did make all three subs. Welbeck came on for Lalana in the 59th minute. Um, McAllister was replaced by Veltman at half time. We'll talk about that in a moment, <laughs> particularly Veltman's performance as well. And Richards actually made his Premier League debut in the 73rd minute coming on for Monda. So that's all the, all the bits and pieces to do with the game. Um, aside from what I've just mentioned about our thoughts on the, on the match and the match day special, what's your take on the game? Anything in particular you wanted to add to that? Not particularly, no. I mean, I think we were, we were just out of class, weren't we? I mean, the first 15, 20 minutes was even-ish. We had a couple of breaks, up, but even then they looked pretty comfortable and we just didn't offer anything going forward, really, um, yeah. except for a nice, a decent free kick from Trossard, from memory, which was under the wall and the keeper and Pickford just about managed to keep out. And the frustrating thing actually was we had two or three efforts at Pickford, which he spilt a couple of them. And he, actually, if we'd had more efforts, you feel we could have got, you know, could have, actually kind of scored a couple of goals. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, sec- the second goal killed it, really. We were, no questions about the penalty. It looked pretty clear. Um, and, yeah, good penalty. Uh, Sanchez went the right way, but didn't didn't get that near it. I don't think he kind of, he kind of, uh, Calvert-Lewin took it well. Second, first goal, although I think, A, it was just careless giving it away with Dunkey and B, Webster and Sanchez arguably could certainly Webster could have gone on and try and put a bit more tackle in again really well taken because there wasn't a huge gap between the post and the and the goal and Sanchez so I mean I think we I think there was always going to be a case where we we were going to have teams that just outclass us in the Premier League even at our fifth, fifth or sixth season you look at the sort of players they've got and actually Benitez is looking like he might be the sort of manager who actually does get the best out of Everton although of course um Everyone said that about Ancelotti last year, and then they, they collapsed in the second half of the season. Yes, indeed. Um, um, well, I was going to well, sure say, well, I think the disappointing thing is it's a game we've obviously competed in for the last four years and not lost in, and then to, to get outclassed like that. And the, my frustration is not, uh, I mean, I don't have any issue with the selection. I think we were forced into that. My, my annoyance is the fact we've been linked with Cucciarella for 
six weeks, eight weeks, if we'd signed him six, eight weeks ago after the Olympics, or four weeks ago after the Olympics, he probably would have been fit to play in that game. And then we'd have had him as left wing back. So we probably cost ourselves, potentially cost ourselves a point or three points by pissing around with what that release clause that we eventually paid anyway. You know, it's kind of like, well, what was the point in that? We've, you know, we've, and, and we could have used him really well effectively for that game. We missed it. We missed the left wing back any pace down the flanks and he would have been an option there. So I do think, so I'm going to have, it's going to have an interesting conversation when we get around to transfers because, and it's going to be an awful lot of flack, probably because Potter will say he's happy. There'll be flack to him. There'll be flack to the the team behind the scenes. I do wonder how much, the, a little bit of blame, and I, and I know Tony is untouchable, but he's been the one who's been saying top 10 allegedly and also then bringing these players into saying that. And then he so it raises expectations and we don't actually know that we've got the money to fund the striker that we want, the sort of striker we're looking for. So, I mean, it's like, well, people will assume it's the recruitment team's fault. People will assume it's the, the you know, the player, the manager's fault, maybe that sort of thing that he's not the best at them. But it also, I mean, it's, it's all the way through the club. It's not just them. So it might end up, you know, kind of, it may be, it's, you know, in the end, if Tony was unhappy with the recruitment team, he probably would sack them. So I think the budget they're getting for a striker is not big enough, which is why we do well enough for all other positions. We don't necessarily get the striker we want because we're not willing to pay the big money that the big strikers want. Yeah, I mean, we, we said we've got to be cautious about our start of the season. Taking out the League Cup match, obviously it's good that we won that as well with, with third string uh, players. But the first two games of the season were winnable. Yes, it's good that we got the job done. And those are the games we didn't get the job done in anywhere near enough for a mixture of reasons last season and indeed the season before to some degree. Um, so while that was good that we got the six points from six, ultimately, you know, it's it's a slight bit of a misleader because you look at Everton, they were two points behind us, but their draw was a very creditable one-all draw at Leeds. They'd won their other match and they proved to be as good as uh, as their start had suggested with a win and a draw and a good draw. They came came up to our place, got their first win in the Premier League era and they look pretty good. Um, a couple of points from me on, on the game. The penalty, I, at the time, because I'm at the, the north end of the West Stand Upper, didn't have a very good view of it. And Alistair, who we chatted to on the, on the match day special, was in the north along with Nick, and they couldn't see much either. Having looked back at it, yeah, I agree there's no issue with, the, uh, with that penalty, for one thing. Um, secondly, it just felt very much more comfortable in possession than us in this match, just more comfortable in the attacking phase of, of possession, shall we say. Um, you look at their setup. I mean, Everton lined up as uh, Pickford and Goal, Holgate and Keane as the centre backs, Dina and Coleman full back as normal. Uh, Gray on the left, Townsend on the right, the two new signings. Townsend, of course, from our old friends up the road. Um, those two, I think, had a good influence on the game because they provided pace and endeavour and, um, well, and adventure going forwards, I think. They did get into our half a lot. Allen and Decore, who were at the cent- central midfield, were outstanding. I thought they're very good players. I rate both of them anyway, and I know others on the show do as well. Um, Richarlison can always cause you problems. He was playing sort of behind the striker, Calvert-Lewin, in a 4-4-1-1. But I think the key was the midfield. I think that's they're, they're solid at the back, but the key was midfield in this game, I think. Um, very hard to break down. We did, As you said, we didn't have the pace to get in, in ahead of them, really, when we were on the attack. And I think part of the problem with this is um, obviously Solly going out, out of the equation. We really do rely on our full uh, fullbacks, i.e. wingbacks, when we play that system yeah. to have the right impact on the game. And you've got Moda who's, OK, he's filled in there, but he's not played there properly. 
Um, and you've got obviously in Grosh a player who it's really a position where you you're looking for pace in that role, aren't you? And he's been an able deputy in the sense that he's done as well as he could do in that role, but ultimately he's not the perfect fit. Yeah. And we've we've been lacking obviously for the lack of Lamptey uh, for one thing. Um, and I yeah, I think that's where the game was lost for me. Yeah, and my other thought is when you've got a decent midfield you're up against, I wonder whether Lalana in the middle too is a luxury. He, he, you know, kind of he is really good on the ball and he helps when we control the game against a team like Watford um, but and, or, or even away to a team like Burnley where we're going to have a plenty of the ball. My concern is when it comes to a battle in midfield against two players as good as Alan and Decore, do you want two other two players, another equivalent of Basuma, maybe a modder, maybe a, even Wepu if he's once he's settled and kind of like someone who's going to battle a bit more? Because Alana's not that sort of player. He's a, he's a, if anything, he's been an attacking midfielder historically. We've moved him back to central midfield. I wonder whether you either don't start Lalana or you start him further forward in a game against mm. someone like Everton and you play one of our proper central midfielders in there um, mm. alongside Pesuma, because otherwise Pesuma's got an awful lot of work to do pretty much on his own, which is what happened in the end, I think. Yeah, I, I'd go, go along with that, certainly. I think um, Alan and Corey, I mean, they're not just very good players. They're, they're robust, they're physical, they're mobile, yeah. they're, they're all action. Um, they really can do pretty much everything in those central areas and to very good effect. So, yes, I do agree with you. I think Lalana, in one sense, is a luxury in that regard. Um, I keep you back in that position for the, you know, the, the winnable, the ones we should win at home and maybe mm. even the ones we should be like, in a chance of winning away and maybe either playing further forward in a, in a game against someone like against you know, Everton or the big, big six or not play him at all and have him off the bench if we're behind or something to come on and... He's not going to play every game anyway, you know, probably. Yeah. So. And it's about effectiveness, isn't it? I mean, look at the stats. We have 66% possession, which is not unusual, but, you know, it just goes to show what you can do with 34% possession. Yeah. Well, how much that did in our final third? You know, yeah, uh, I, mean, I think the, the vast majority of that was us passing it around the back and then pushing us under pressure, basically. Yeah, I mean, they had the same number of shots as us, but they had five on target to our three. They had slightly more corners as well. And all the more importantly, of course, they had the two goals. Um, I think, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt they deserve to win it. Yeah. The only thing that irritated me really from the game, uh, into, well, two things that irritated me was, uh, I think the defending, I think Webster had a poor game, unfortunately, particularly for the goal. He just um, stood off and showed him inside enough, Gray there. He had far too much room. Yeah, I agree with that, to, yeah. I know you want to kind of keep them narrow, push them out wide, but there actually he didn't close up enough. He didn't get close enough to to do that, even though he stayed that side of him. And I just felt two or three seconds worth of time there watching that unfolding. I thought, close him down, close him down, why are you closing him down? And of course he had free reign to have the shot. And um, there's an argument that Sanchez should have done better for. But frankly, for the shot he should have taken well. him. He should have fouled him and taken the booking. Frankly, if he was that, if he was concerned. Uh, Webster. Yeah. He yeah. was outside the area when he first got the ball, so he should have gone out and tackled him. And if he yeah. if he'd got the ball, great. If he hadn't, then just trip him and end up with a booking. I, I thought there. it was very poor. It, it felt like Championship defending on that particular occasion, which is not like Webster, I know. And um, I mean, we're speaking to Raymond, the gents, um, just today actually in a call. He was suggesting that Webster, from his notes, um, he, he, he observed that he seems to be more reticent, maybe weaker in the tackle when he's playing in that right centre-back position as opposed to the left. I haven't really kind of given that enough thought to, to know if that no, nor if has any truth in that, but um, it's an interesting point. Like, from it also has to be pointed out, it was a terrible pass from Dunkey that kind of led to the thing as well. And that's yes. what started the whole thing. He's under no pressure at all. Yeah. And he gave it away poorly, and that's what started the... And 
for one, and unlike us, they actually sprang forward and broke with pace, whereas the number of times we did try and break on Saturday, but then just stopped and played because we didn't have the pace to really carry on. But you know, running through Grosch and even like Trossard and Mope, we've got a bit of pace, but because either there was no one up with them or there was no support or they didn't have the pace. And that was so frustrating because, you know, we were kind of like, we they're pretty organised, Everton, generally. So our best chance was kind of catching them on the break. And we, yeah, every time we did, we kind of just stopped and went sideways. And Absolutely. as we always do. I mean, it shows what, okay, because there's a couple of signings involved as well, but it shows what Benitez can do with, with better tools, doesn't yeah. it, as well? Because I, I do think he was just treading water with Newcastle, and that's all you can do with Newcastle. Yeah. Bruce, in a different way, is doing the same thing or trying to. The better um, players are to be Bruce is doing worse. So, I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. He's always been a good manager. The issue, if, if he hadn't been a Liverpool manager for a long time, Everton yeah. wouldn't, there wouldn't have been any complaints, I think, at Everton, but it's because of the uh, Liverpool connection. Yeah. Well, I mean, two. T- point on that actually I mean first of all chatting to some of the Everton fans there's quite a few we got into conversations with um firstly not very impressed with some of them to be honest there's quite a degree of arrogance and flippancy about their uh, post-match when they've won the game as if it was a matter of fact victory I think well you haven't won there before so you know and just also that they they really are not not keen on Benitez just because of his status with Liverpool from before um, and maybe the points he made about them being a smaller club at the time he was there. Um, it's going to take a lot of winning over. Um, they seemed quite, yeah, there was, a, there was a bit of an arrogance and a, 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 I wouldn't even call it a swagger, but just just a kind of a, almost an unpleasant kind of, it wasn't, it wasn't particularly friendly banter either. It was just yeah. sort of, just flippant arrogance. So, it's they, they finished ninth yeah. last year and what it was actually setting the world on fire in the season is there. Exactly. Uh, and much they might not like him. He's getting results for them early doors, isn't he? So, you know, we'll see how it goes. And obviously that's just a, a handful of people I'm chatting to in the grander scheme of things. But there we go. But they are um, the more arguably pretty loyal supporters if they're getting tickets for away games. And I think there could be governors who are based down here. But generally, it kind of like will be the kind of the hardcore fans who are away games generally. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, yeah, one or two were praiseworthy of uh, Tony Bloom, by the way. They seem to seem to recognise his contributions, which is good. Um, the other thing going back to the game, the, the other thing I was mentioning that annoyed me was um, we touched on it briefly in the intro. Amongst the substitutions, Veltman came on at half-time for McAllister. I mean, I said on the match special, I thought it was a bit harsh that he came off. And I think this sort of game suits that sort of player in general. And I think I would have liked us to have stuck with him and seen how that went. Um, not really sure what the thinking was, but Veltman came on and he ended up playing not McAllister role. <laughs> uh, needless to say, there was a, there was a shift around which made precisely zero difference, did it, really? And, and Veltman coming back into the game when he's been out with this, uh, the illness and so on, and now he's playing out of position in a game where we're chasing the match. Not ideal, was it? And it, it went badly wrong, I thought. I, I, I could see the logic behind it. To be fair, the first 10 minutes of the half, we actually did pretty well and we looked more dangerous. We had to change something, I think, and it had to be not just like for like, it had to be change formation. And the only way you could change the formation really was to bring Veltman on. Um, yes, I can see a point about McAllister, but then I, I would say that they would, they probably reckoned that Grosh would need to be kept on because arguably he's the most dangerous, you know, in terms of his crossing and that sort of thing. And Alana's probably the most creative on in open play. And so McAllister mm. was probably sacrificed for that reason. And see, I, I, I thought, kind of I, thought I thought, kind of tying what you actually said a little earlier there, I, I felt that McAllister to be moved into the Lalana position um, might have been more beneficial um, 
uh, just purely because, as you said, Lalana, it's maybe not the game for him. I think it'd be a more more robust midfield with McAllister and Basuma. I know he doesn't play. I'm not sure McAllister's so, the answer so for that either. Yeah, I'm, I don't think that. I think it needed Possibly. to be Modder or Mwepu or someone like that who's actually a, a genuine central midfielder rather than attacking midfielder dropping yeah, back. Yeah, well, I was going to say Mwepu is the other alternative, of course, yeah. who was amongst the substitutes. Uh, on the uh, bench I imagine there. he only wants to bring one on probably rather than two so mm. my, my one question mark with him and I know it would have put Webster massively out of position because I mean second half they kind of played 4-3-3 four, four, three, three, I think it probably was it was hard to yes. tell really because yeah I think we were a bit yeah. all over the place at times but my, my, my issue is that both Webster and Beltman are out of position and I'd almost rather have played Beltman at right back with the, meaning that White, Webster had to play left back which at least meant you could only have one player out of position rather than two you know, you kind of like you're not having, you know, kind of two players out of position, so you've got both wings are a problem. You can hopefully then focus more players on protecting Webster, and if you were to do that, I, I mean, I, I genuinely get on on the whole, I felt that we had to do something from the first half, and I could understand what he was doing. I think Beltman was the only one he could bring on to make it four at the back because they didn't have enough, they didn't really have any fullbacks that could actually play generally in fullback rather than rather than wingback. Um, hmm. But yeah, I think it obviously didn't go right. I think. The, the penalty obviously changed it, and Beltman obviously wasn't fully fit. Didn't look like he didn't look like he was fully match fit anyway. On the other hand, he's got forty five minutes to play now, so you know, so it's like in a game we probably would have lost anyway. I think genuinely. So you know, it, if we hadn't brought him on, we'd still have that pace going forward. We'd still have that kind of quality in midfield, arguably. So yeah, well, of course we've got the international break. Then we have Brentford um, away, for which I have tickets. Are you going to that one, Peter? I am. Yes. Excellent. So I'm sure we can meet up for some drinks at some point there. Lovely jubbly. Um, anyway, more on that later, of course. But that, that pretty much sums it up. In terms of the Everton game, I think not much more to say. We had a good crowd as an increased um, number there, which was a positive. Danny Welbeck coming on for a half hour's game plus stoppages. Um, it was good to see him back. And hopefully he's come through with no ill effects and he'll continue to come back into the equation for us. He will be um, much well, very, very welcome, shall we say, especially if we don't sign any other strikers. Um, so, I mean, any other points from you for the Everton game then? I think that pretty much no, I mean, up, it, it? it was just, I mean, it, I didn't even feel almost disappointed after it. I felt a bit flat. We didn't really turn up. And mm, yeah. Actually, in the end, I think 2-0 flattered us a little bit. They they didn't take the most of, the, the most of their chances in some ways. And it could have been yeah. three or four in the end. They looked the more yeah. they, we could have played for the rest of the week and not scored. And yeah. they looked like they were, you know, every time they went forward, I was worried. Hmm. Well, we had four shots from seven, uh, sorry, four goals from seven shots earlier in the season after the first couple of games, I think it was, the stats. We've got to um, get the stats back in our favour uh, when we carry on. But more, more stuff on um, Albion games coming up in future episodes. Just turning attention to the Albion news then. I'll take it chronologically first of all then. So, um, in fact, no, I'll probably just go in order of... Um, because of the transfer dealing. So, first of all, I'm not sure we mentioned it formally, but Kukureya has signed. It's been completed today. Uh, as Peter said, it's taken far too long to get over the line, but we have got there. He's been officially revealed, unveiled, whatever you want to call it, with his magnificence of hair. Um, it's quite something, isn't it? Sideshow Bob or something. I don't know what what we could call him. I'd just stick with Cuckoo, I think. <laughs> um, Pronunciation-wise, I'm yet to find from the horse's mouth how it how it's said. Knowing Spanish, it will be Ria for the second part of the name. Whether it's Cuckoo or Susu is I think, yet I think to be. On Sky earlier, calling I think Cucurella, but Cucurella. But um, yeah, Cucurella. I mean, 
Who knows? I'm not that's correct. No, no, I'm waiting until uh, we get the first yeah. announcement at the Amex, and uh, hopefully I mean, I'll from, get it right. From Spanish, it's normally susu, but it would be that would sound really, really immature and babyish. And um, I, again, I'm not sure. It might be a regional thing, so I'm not completely sure on that. But I'm going to go with Cucuri for now. Easiest. Just Mark or Cuckoo. Let's call him Cuckoo anyway, even if that's not um, a good a good abbreviation. Um, yeah, so he's over the line. You've mentioned Sima. Uh, this is Ab- Abdallah Sima from uh, Don Blank. Where did we sign? Uh, Slavia Prague. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah, Slavia Prague. He's the recent addition we've just signed. He's a 20-year-old striker, four-year deal for uh, a fee. Did we get the fee on that? No, sure it's, it's undisclosed as always, but I think yeah. Yeah, there was talk of it being somewhere in the region of £7 million or something like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I heard rumours on that. Kukureya is um, 15.4 million, which is 18 million euros. Um, so those are the main bits of business today. There has been some other stuff completed. Uh, Reda Kadra has now joined uh, John Paul Van Hecker at Blackburn on loan, as expected. That's been confirmed as well. Um, Kabovnik, I think since our last episode, possibly, um, I'm not quite sure, has gone on a season-long loan to Olympiacos. It was rumoured that has been completed, I think, since we last recorded. Um, also, I'm not sure if we mentioned that Malumbia has gone on loan to West Brom. This is with a permanent move to follow in mind the following season. Um, I don't know if that's an option or whether that's compulsory scenario but um yeah jason malumbi the midfielder who we had on loan to millwall and has come up through the ranks with us he's gone out as well um one thing actually just to mention someone we had on the show before remember danny cashman came on um just when he'd been released by the club and he did allude to the fact that he's got a deal with a, a league side he has he did go to rochdale for anyone that hasn't picked up on that and he's been amongst the goals he got a headed goal the other day and i think i think he's had a couple of goals already this season so well done to him good luck to him as well um, that's pretty much it on the Albion news as far as I know today. Peter, have you picked up on anything else apart from that? No, my only thing I've just noticed on Twitter is there's some comment that uh, we were talking before the show about whether we could recall Sima uh, in January. Um, the suggestion is he can't be recalled because he'll have played for two clubs already in the same season and you can't play for three. Now, uh, yeah, if he's already played, yeah. Hmm. Is that within the country or is that in general? That's Generally, the question, yes, I guess. I've seen a some... suggestion. Obviously, um, I'm assuming he's already played then for Slavia. Yeah, that will be annoying because, I mean, we'll talk about the transfer policy in a minute when we get to it, but it seems a bit nonsensical to not have him as, as an option. I do recognise that you probably want someone to get used to English football first and, and assimilate gradually. And we do know Graham Potter likes to do it that way. Um, it's taken quite a long time on occasion for some of our new signings to get bedded in. Uh, but in this on this occasion, unless there's some surprises, which we will, of course, report for you if they happen in the striker stakes. Um, if we have got what we've got left, it's going to be crazy because we'll have less striker options than the ones we had at the beginning yeah, of the window I mean, when we said we needed more. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we necessarily needed more, but we needed more quality. And yeah, I don't get it. I, I genuinely, we've been, whether we've actually been chasing Nunes as long as we have talked about or whether we actually were ever interested in him or interested in anyone else I don't know or Gonzalez or whatever mm. but the fact is we've we've lost Andone who whatever you might say to think about it would have been an option at least we've lost Zakiri we've now signed and then lost Sima we've also in tacking terms lost Tao we've lost um, yeah. Izquierdo what do I know he hardly ever played we've lost Jahanbach in attacking yeah. terms this summer and yeah. our basic findings are Mwepu, who's more of a box-to-box midfielder than an attacking, really, but can play attacking player. And um, 
And potentially Cucciarella means that either he or March can play further forward if they're both available and Lampy is too. It, yeah. I just find it very odd that the club, especially so one of the things that really bugs me, and I've heard people talk about it elsewhere, is that you know, all these noises coming out of the club about we want to be ambitious, we want to aim for the top 10. Now, whether they're official quotes or not, the players seem to be saying them in places. So why are they putting these things out if we're not going to go and like show ambition by signing a striker? Yep. Absolutely. And um, oh, you've forgotten one other person, one other striker who's lost, lost in a different sense, Lacardia. <laughs> he hasn't gone yet. Lacardia's still here. <laughs> I know. Yes, incredibly. Yeah. Um, I mean, that could be the story of all stories if ever, he ever came back and did well. I really don't think so, though. Um, the other option, I mean, the other thing is um, Darwin Nunes, who we went in for last summer, we came back in for this summer. Apparently, there was a deal close, something about we'd agreed a compromise amount. Um, rumours that he was willing to come and wanted to come, that the club were willing to sell, but whether the the final fee wasn't agreed or the structure of the deal was a problem or whether there was a change of mind or interest from elsewhere, I don't know. But that seems to have gone cold, that whole rumour. Yeah. Um, unless there's a sudden twist or it's gone quiet for I, I would be a, a different reason. To, yeah, yeah. to have yeah. to uh, eat yeah. the pie, you know, and kind of... Uh and kind of back down on that and say, you know, well done to the club if they sign a striker later. But I also oh, yeah, think I mean, we're I also please. think we're a little bit short on um at right wing back um slash centre back. I think we're relying on Beltman when he's fit as first choice centre back and also straight back up to to Tarek Lamptey as well, who may all be injured for you know is a bit injury prone and frankly, you know, because I mean we don't much as I think Duffy's done okay so far, I don't really want to be relying on Duffy or Byrne as first choice for any mm. centre-back. So if we're playing three at the back, we're, we're effectively relying on either on everyone being fit or maybe playing March to a different side or something like that. But I still well, think I we're a little bit short. They could, they could resort to putting Alzate But again, that is the thing, we're, we're making... And this is the other problem we had on Saturday, I thought. We were, we've got too many kind of square pegs in round holes. Mm. We, we need to be playing players in position rather than just, you know, sticking central midfielders at wing-back. And, yeah, yeah agreed. the same as with Grash, as with Moda, you know, they're not wing-backs. And it's actually, we said, a crucial role for us. It's such an important part of how we play. You know, you look at the difference Mampty makes when he's fit, and hopefully um, both March and Pucciarella when they're when they're playing. Mm. It's and we're we're making do with players that aren't aren't you know no no fault of their own. But you know, Grosh is not a, not a wing back. Alzate is not a wing back. Moda's not a wing back. So why are we why why aren't we actually going to go and sign another wing back or or sign another centre back to then now vent Elton to go further forward? I, I know Duffy's done okay so far, but do we really want Duffy or Byrne playing first choice against? You know, Liverpool or Man City, ignoring obviously what happened the last game of like, our same game of last yeah. season, but generally. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that first half of Burnley is another example. Yeah, we don't really want that, do we? One final line on the Albion before we get into the transfer news in general. Hopefully, some more Albion transfer news, a summary of the Albion uh, transfer business over the summer, and some other bits of footy news. One more line on Albion for now before we have a break is um, just one other rumour that was mentioned. Um, Cheek Niasse, I think his name is, or Cheek Niasse, from Lille, I think a midfielder we were apparently linked with during this window as well, latterly. I don't know if you've heard anything about that. I don't know anything about the player, but um, that was another one that was linked. It's probably just rubbish but uh, in terms of the rumour, but um, worth mentioning that too. Um, certain other targets we've had in the past, like Reese Nelson, I think are going elsewhere, aren't they, as well? Is it Feyenoord he's going to or somewhere? Yeah. Um, 
but there's there's yeah so so not much else happening on that score um so i think probably we'll take our break there and then we'll get into the transfer business in a lot more detail plus some footy news after that so we'll be back in just a moment Welcome back to part two of Brighton Rock Podcast. So, what Russ have we got now? Well, I mean, first of all, I should mention I'm, I'm on the beers. So, only having one or two. We're doing it from home rather than the pub to try and save money and liver. But I'm having one or two. I've got Satine DDH Pale Ale, which is interesting. Um, I, don't know if, oh, I don't know if you can see that. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. Just hit in the spot. And I've also got a second one lined up to celebrate all those magnificent transfers we're going to have later. Hickory Clan Caviar. Maple and Pecan Danish Stout. One for regular listener Nick, who loves his obscure beers, I'm saying sarcastically. Maybe <laughs> you should be about loaning out the beer to someone else immediately. You've got it. Yes, as soon as I buy it, yeah, I'll loan it out. <laughs> Definitely. And yes, it's transfers is going to be the main subject in answer to your question for this second half. Um, before we get into all the nitty-gritty on that, um, a general summary of the Albion's business, a general summary of well, it's been a quite an incredible window, actually, uh, for a number of reasons. Um, before we get to all that, one more bit to tie up is footy news in general. Now, something I'm not sure I mentioned last week, and I think it occurred last weekend, um, the Nice-Marseille game. Did you catch what happened in this match? Oh, yeah. The, yeah. The sidelines, yeah. <laughs> um, so, Dimitri Payet, of course, one-time West Ham player, um, was playing for Marseille. And nice were winning 1-0, and some of their fans from the ultras end uh, decided to start throwing stuff at the Marseille players. A bottle, I think, hit Payet on the head, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he threw it back into the crowd, which incited a rather aggressive reaction from them. A pitch invasion ensued. Um, the game had to be stopped. Um, there was fighting going on between players and fans. Two players, including Payet, were seen visibly with um, neck marks where they'd been grabbed by the neck by supporters, presumably, of Nice. Um, one of the coaches came on the field from Marseille and actually attacked one of the fans <laughs> while wearing a, an illuminous top. So very clearly was a coach. You wouldn't get that at the time. Amex, would you? <laughs> it was a little lively. And um, what's kind of pretty annoying is that um, Nice were awarded a 3-0 win for the game having been abandoned after Marseille refused to carry on, uh, which I don't blame them for, given the circumstances. Yes, not very sensible to throw the bottle back into the crowd, but nonetheless, the fans started that problem in the first place and very mm. much continued on. Disgraceful scenes. Imagine the fuss if that happened in England. We'd be hung out to dry by the whole of Europe, wouldn't we? The European authorities in the footballing sense. Um, probably have a whole year, year's ban for all clubs or something. Um, which at least will be over by the time we qualify. So that's good. Peter. Are you suggesting that um, UEFA are not a big fans of English football? I find that, <laughs> that kind of suggestion shocking, really. Yes, well, you know, <laughs> um, indeed. Um, Benjamin Mendy, I've got to mention as well, very unfortunate, he's the latest person to be accused of uh, rape. And he's been arrested on four rape charges and one sexual assault charge. This, of course, a Man City first team regular fairly fairly regular player and a France international it's huge news obviously it's subject to the charges and and whether it will be a, a guilty case or not but uh, alleged to have committed those crimes really bad to see that kind of thing isn't it it is yeah it's, mm. um, yeah. Um, yeah whatever happens that's uh, obviously not good for the yeah the game and that sort of thing to hear these things and terrible for the people involved hmm 
And the only other thing I had written down was Mariba at Barca, brackets Espanol. I have no idea what that means. Um, if you've got any ideas, please chuck them in, but I, I'm not sure. No, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, well, there we go. There we go. Um, so I mean, that's pretty much it, footy news-wise, or at least the stuff that we want to bother getting into on this episode. So let's get into it then. The transfer window. Obviously, what we're going to do, we're recording this um, early evening, so we are going to round this off early evening as well. We'll probably leave it there when when that happens, unless the Albion has any breaking news. There will, I'm sure, be some general breaking news on the transfer front, but we won't go into that till our next episode. But anything Albion-related, we'll reconvene, won't we, later on when I come back from the yeah. cinema. <laughs> um, I'm not I'm holding sure my breath. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. I'm not, I'm not either. Um, so looking at the transfer window, it's been pretty remarkable in general, hasn't it? First of all, we've had the whole willy won't situation with Lionel Messi, uh, the GOAT, who has had his entire career, barring a very short period in Argentina initially, um, with Barca. And he's, you know, he's renewed deals on a number of occasions, sometimes quite late on, and he's been happy to do so. There was rumours he might move last season, and in the end, he decided to stay on. And he was due to sign a new deal. But due to legislation and Barca's parlous financial state at the moment, um, he had to move on. He's ended up going to PSG um, basically for free. So, I mean, well, not for free. There's been a huge amount of finance involved, of course. That was one amazing story, which we've, we've touched on already. Yeah, the PSG are obviously the kings of um, free transfers this summer. Donnarumma, yeah. Bernaldum, Ramos, yeah. Messi. Great deals. Really yeah. good deals. And of and course, that they're probably after Pogba next year on a similar deal as well. Although they may yeah, want to lose then Mbappe as well on a similar deal. So. Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, because Real Madrid have made a couple of bids for Mbappe. Mbappe said that his, his dream to play for Real. So it, it's pretty much a done deal that they'll get him in the end. They seem to be willing to rush that through. They put up a couple of bids in. The bids have been rejected. The second one, I think, for 180 mil. PSG would probably be advised to sell him from a fiscal point of view because. He's going to go at the end of, of the season yeah. otherwise. Of course, the reason they're not doing so is because at the moment they're sitting there thinking, we've got Mbappe, Neymar and Messi at the moment. We keep failing to win a Champions League. We've now got Messi, the missing ingredient as far as that goes, most probably. Um, I think they don't really mind about the money. I think they just want to win the Champions League well, I, I don't and, think, the, and the French League again. I, I think the money only matters to them in the sense of how they can avoid being done for financial fair play. If, if, yeah. if ever anyone gets done for that, I mean, they're, they're, their owners are so wealthy that they basically run a, a country, so a very, very rich country as well. So I don't think there's any danger of them running out of money. Absolutely. And um, of course, the, the big twist is that um, the next best player, I would say, of the era thereabouts is Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, Interesting he, that Robin's not on, on yet to comment on which all yes, of us he, he thinks he's the GOAT. He, he is ro- Robin, you are wrong. He's nowhere near the GOAT, I'm afraid. Um, but he is a fantastic player. He went to Juve for his latest um, period of his career. The and um, it didn't seem to, yeah, it hasn't seemed to hit it off. Has it? I think they got knocked out of the Champions League at an earlier stage than they would have liked. Didn't win um, the league last season. They didn't win the league, yeah. I mean, he still scored a handful of goals. But um, it didn't seem to be that happy there, really, because he's been willing to to end his deal early. Um and as a result, Manchester City were in for him. His agent was touting him around to City and various other places. And it looked like City was on the cards, which would have been an incredible twist on his 
um, his career narrative. But then, of course, what's happened is Man United have thought, hang on a minute, we can't be having this. They've put a bid in for him, uh, made a move for him as well. The, the finances, because of his shortness of contract, 19.7 million, which is incredibly cheap for a player of his quality. Um, you know, less than half the price of Joel Linton, dare we say. <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, that's obviously a... Joel Linton's a got more situation. potential though, you know. I'm yeah. not sure what potential <laughs> for, but he's got more potential. Yeah. To continue embarrassing himself on the football field, maybe. Yeah, he's got, but, longer, um, he's got longer to be crap on the field rather than that. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, so it's about a twenty million pound deal. Um, obviously, the wages are going to be astronomical. But what's happened is United have yes, taken in. a pay cut though. Think yes, well, yeah, you can probably afford to do that. Yeah, yeah. I can say I take a pay cut if I was uh, if, I, <laughs> if I already earned about five hundred grand a week, whatever it was allegedly, and yeah. uh, and, I, and I was happy to take it to reduce. I'd happily reduce my wages to three hundred and sixty thousand a week or whatever he's getting paid now. Oh, I could just about get by on that, I think. Yeah, yeah. I could, um, I'd even quit you... after a, after a month on that. Yeah, um, yeah. You're not United stepped in. They were interested. Ronaldo, of course, in the past has said he wouldn't, he couldn't entertain the notion of going to City, having been at Man U. He said that uh, some years ago, I think. That's obviously come back to uh, potentially to have haunted him. But United have stepped in. He has shown interest. Ferguson has pretty much put the boot in, going, "Hang on a minute. There's no way you're going to City, lad." <laughs> and he's um, he's intervened. They've shown a lot of love as well, so he's keen to come back. And that deal today, finally, on transfer deadline day, has formally been confirmed. It's been as good as done for a couple of days now. Um, a huge twist, because that wasn't that came out of nowhere, didn't it, initially? Yeah, it did, yeah. It was United weren't even mentioned at the point. I think the, the general feeling was only City and and PSG, if they got rid of, if they if they sold Mbappe, were probably going to be able to afford him. Hmm. Of course, um, what happened... And that, was, that led to the idea, obviously, of Messi and Ronaldo in the same team at one point. Yeah. Well, with with um, with him coming in, of course, uh, thoughts turned to Daniel James being more, much more surplus to requirements, having been already a peripheral figure, really, in the, in the first team squad. And Albion were thinking, oh, maybe we, we you know, we, we're all thinking maybe that might be a good suitable option for us as a wide attacker. And apparently, there's rumours that we may have been in for him, um, but that um, whether we did or not, um, as a loan to buy, some people were saying, but whatever the whatever the ways, whys and wherefores, Leeds stepped in. Uh, he was close to moving there when he was at Swansea two and a half years ago, and he apparently was quite um, in two minds on that deal. He was very keen this time around, and he has indeed gone to Leeds on a five-year deal. Ironically, um, despite a lot of abuse he got from Man- for Leeds fans on the first game of the season. Yes, indeed. Uh, who was singing "You're Too Shit to Play for Leeds"? I believe so. Yeah. Good to see um, they'll be they'll be singing his name duplicitously at the weekend, no doubt next weekend. Um, but yeah, he's gone for I think five year deal. I think it's about twenty five million. Yeah, that, that price, left. I, I don't yeah. really. I'm not bothered that we missed out on him, to be honest. Given no, the wages, it'd be too well. risky for us. We, we've you've, got a limit to our finances. We don't want to yeah. risk too much on on a player who we're not completely sure about. But he, he, he is a he good player. He have a lot of pace, but his end product is pretty limited. And yeah, hmm. I, I'm not convinced that he's the, the answer really. It would have been nice for that on a loan to buy, then yeah, with a cheaper option or whatever, then that would have been fine. But for twenty five million, that would have been our record signing, and I'm not convinced we want someone who's just you know who has who isn't necessarily the finished article on our record signing. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll ask you your um, your standouts from the um, from the window in a minute. Apart from what we've discussed already, which obviously are very big deals anyway. Um, 
the other main bits I've, I've got here, West Ham today have signed Croatia's Nikola Vlasic mm. from Seska Moscow. Um, also in talks with Alex Kroll from Spartak Moscow. Um, yeah, Vlasic, a good player. That's a good signing for the midfielder. Uh, good player. And um, I think, yeah, it's, it's good business for them. Uh, obviously, West Ham had a good start to the season. Moise Keane's got a two-year deal on loan, a two-year loan deal um, back to Juventus, which is interesting. Um, I think you mentioned earlier Eduardo Camavinga has gone on a six-year deal to Real Madrid for 25 mil, was it 25 mil, which is a pretty good deal. Um, Jordan Henderson's the latest player to finally commit himself to long-term contracts at Liverpool. Liverpool's best business this summer, they did, did sign Konati very early in the window, but most of the best business they've done is signing long-term deals for virtually all of their, players, their key yeah. players. Alisson, uh, Van Dijk, Robertson, I think Trent Alexander-Arnold, obviously Henderson now, and I think uh, Milner signed a new shorter-term deal as well, I think. Um, so quite a bit going on there, but not much in terms of incomings. Spurs, obviously Kane in the end has decided to stay. That was another big deal after, uh, or big big news after a very, very yeah. long protracted rumoured process, the kind that I absolutely despise. I, I cannot stand hearing over and over again, day to day, the same kind of well, just basically newsline uh, that's going on and on and on with nothing seemingly anywhere near to being inclusive. So anyway, he's ended up staying after rumours, of course, of Man City. So City, of course, missing out on him and Ronaldo, interestingly. Um, Tottenham are set yeah, to sign Brazil. strikers than we do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed, yeah. Um, Spurs are set to sign Brazil defender Emerson Royale from Barcelona after agreeing a £30 million euro fee. Uh, sorry, 30 million euro fee. Um, and we mentioned Reese Nelson. It is final that he's gone to on a season-long loan. Um, Leicester have completed a loan deal for RB Leipzig's winger Adamola Lookman, who, of course, was on loan at Fulham last season, uh, while Dennis Pratt has joined Italian side Torino on a season-long loan on the uh, going out. Burnley have just signed Wales international Connor Roberts today. Um, interestingly, Sheffield Wednesday in League One have signed a former Premier League striker, Saido Berahino, which is interesting. Um, he's kind of gone off the tracks. He's been playing um, abroad on the continent and it's gone into obscurity. I think he was at Belgium, but not in the top division side. So yeah. he's gone off, off the radar completely. Uh, he's come back in, which is interesting. Um, uh, apparently, Liverpool defender Reese Williams has joined Swansea City, I'm just saying as well, season-long loan. Lots of loan deals. Um, one thing I'm afraid we have to mention, which I'm hoping is is going to be a disastrous deal now, that somebody we were linked with, Odson Edward, he's close to a £14 million deal to join, you know who, Cripple Fallis from Celtic. Um, that's going to be interesting to see how he does. I mean, rumours he might have been after a lot of wages. Yeah, I mean, £14 million. I'm... It's I'm, actually less than I thought we were going to have to pay for him as I'm well. I'm not too worried it? about Edouard. To be honest. I don't really rate him. I, I might be proven spectacularly wrong. Um, mm. But I don't, I'm not too worried about him. The way he's behaved at Celtic towards the end has not impressed. And yeah. You can imagine him and Zaha, given the way Zaha tends to sulk if he doesn't get things his own way and all that. The two of them up front, the site, kind of looking like they're throwing their toys out of the pram if there's another pass goes astray or something like that. I, yeah, I'm not as well, convinced as some are about Palace's business, to be honest, overall. Will Hughes is another one. He's a bit he's a bit of a mess signing. I don't really think there's anything... You look at the players you know, that they've signed. I think Anderson from Palette, from Fulham, who was on loan at Fulham last year, is very good. Other than that, yeah. I'm not that 
bothered about a lot of their signings, to be honest. No, Gay, Gay might be a good player as well, um, to be fair. I haven't really had a look at them in much much detail yet. But I, yeah, he might I be, but got... it's a punt rather than, I'd say it's a punt rather than an actual, you yeah. know, kind of... And it's a lot of new signings at once. As we said before, yeah. it's very risky. Conor Gallagher, of course, scored um, two. He's on, on loan, isn't he, for the season. Uh, he's yeah. got both goals as they got a tool at West Ham at the weekend. Which apparently um, was down. So, so it was down to Fabianski, but I'm sure it didn't have a great game from what I heard. Oh, Flappy Hands. Flappy Hands. probably means that um, <laughs> one of the... I was going to... Should I go through the kind of signings of the summer, I think? Kind of the, some of the better ones. Um, yeah. Ariola, who West Ham have brought in, and I imagine will come in now. If, if Fabianski did have, didn't have a great game, um, he's, he's probably one of my signs of the summer. There's obviously the two, there's some higher level ones. So like Lukaku and um, Sancho, I think will both take their teams on to the next level. And probably, yeah, Lukaku will make Chelsea genuine title contenders, in my view. And Sancho is probably one of the most exciting young players around. Yeah, probably. God, I didn't mention Lukaku, did I? Amazing, yeah. I left that one out. Yeah, um, I mean, that's and then there's some lower-level ones. I think Rashika, I think we discussed before, we've discussed on the show yeah. about Rashika at Norwich. He, I think, of Werder Bremen was one of the best players in the Bundesliga, or one of, certainly until last season. And so a new club, he might become a really, be a really good signing, really strong one. I think um, Villa have made a couple of good signings. Um, obviously, Ings is a pretty strong one. And I think that, well, the, the, the absolute signing of the summer in terms of value for money, I think there's, I think there's only one real option, and that's Marcel Savitzer from um, Leipzig to Bayern. 16 million euros, I think it might even be, rather than pounds. Who He's one of the, the best players in the Bundesliga, and Bayern have signed him, as, as they often do. They've stolen from their, their key rivals. So they want up at Vacano as well from um, buying this from Leipzig this summer as well. So he will be a brilliant signing for them. I think he's a he's a really classy player and he kind of has real quality on the ball. Yeah, I agree with those those all definitely. Um, incidentally, Chelsea are trying to get Atletico Madrid midfielder Sal. Yeah, West, who's a great player. He's a really good player. Um, and in fact, they're after Kunde, aren't they as well? But he's, I don't think they're going to meet his like he's, 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 not, he's off now. Um, hmm. But uh, but Saul is on slash off slash on slash off. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there's been some, there's been some good deals out there. Um, I'm sure there'll be a lot right at the last minute as well. Yeah, um, the side is so at least once we're you know once our season starts to implode because we've got no strikers left, we can start watching the championship closely for all our players in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> indeed, yes, Peter. Very cynical. I like it. Um, Royale to Spurs is done now. Uh, yeah, by the way, that's just been confirmed. That sounds like um, so, on his way out as well as a. Yeah, well, they they wanted him to be part of the swap deal, but Barca didn't want him for some Funny reason. That. Maybe because he's pants. <laughs> I really don't rate the man. Yeah, I really, I really don't rate Oriol, and he's one of those ones again who seems a bit of trouble. I think in lockdown he had a few incidents, didn't he, where he was yeah. he was doing he was breaking the rules and stuff, and he's yeah, yeah he's not. I've never rated him. He's a bit lumbering. Oh, I do remember him scoring a rather a freak goal at Wembley when we played Tottenham the first season. And uh, yeah, just going to say that That's like kind of crossing freakish, basically a terrible cross that ended up in a in a far corner. Yeah, it was like the goal that um, Brazil scored against us in the World Cup when yeah. it looped over Seaman. It's one of those just freak the flat. It couldn't have gone any any more perfectly badly. Yeah, for it was us. literally Sorry. a freak. But uh, yeah, I just yeah. I, I don't really rate him that much. He's no, not... he has little flourishes here and there, but he's not he's not a great player to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm just seeing a fact. Actually, signing of um, Romero from Atlanta is pretty useful as well from the sound of it. He's supposed to be a yeah. really good, really key part of their team. So. Speaking of Southampton, do you think um, 
they've done reasonable business. I know we've got um, no. the guy we were after, Livermento, what's his name? Um, Livermento. Livermento, that's right, isn't it? And Adam Armstrong, um, obviously to replace Ings. Livermento, obviously, the, take out the buyback element. Um, do you think those are good additions as squad uh, I think Livermento is. I think Armstrong's a gamble. Um, mm. He started all right. But... Initially when he first came in, you know, kind yeah. of, I, I'm not convinced. I think Southampton mm. will struggle this season, personally. Um, yeah. Although they did manage to somehow nick a draw at Newcastle at the weekend about the 95th minute or something, didn't they? Or, but I, yeah. I think they'll, I think they'll be, they'll be in the bottom six this season, and it's, uh, and may end up. I mean, Hassan Hussle must be up there in terms of the list of players to go, managers mm. to go. Sorry, this season because he's been, he's been point where he's like struggled before and been close to going. So bad start, whatever yeah. might well end up with him being out the door. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, indeed. Um, I was just going to say the, the, the Mbappe to Real is totally off Sky Sports are now saying. It's actually coming um, to us instead. Yeah, that's probably why. I would think so. I can't think of any other reason why that wouldn't happen, really. Um, I find it bizarre. I, said, I don't know what the deal is that they're offering, that um, Real are offering, but when, you, when a player's out of contract, even if you don't need the money, surely kind of he may not be that committed this season. He may not you know, quite be... Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, who knows? It is curiosity, isn't it? Um, going going back to what you were saying about Edouard. Um, sorry, um, Edouard. Uh, I've, I've gone blank. What's his name? <laughs> the guy we were going to try and sign from Celtic. Edouard, yeah. Odson it is Edouard, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going blank again. Uh, he, um, you know, if he has got a bit of an attitude, great. That's perfect. He's going to Palace. Of course, we're playing them quite soon. Just got my tickets today, actually. I'm going with a few people to the game um, at Selhurst, Snellhurst, on a grim Monday night, no doubt. Uh, we certainly will be once we get to the ground, anyway. Um, but hopefully not on the pitch. And it would be great to give him some stick if it doesn't work out for them and he's having a bad game. If he, if he just skies a couple over the bar, we won't be enjoying it any more than, than we will on that day, I would imagine. Um, I'm I've, sure. I've got no issue with him, particularly other than the fact he obviously plays for Palace, potentially. But um, but I just don't think necessarily he's a sort of sign that fits in with the, the kind of mm. atmosphere and ethos of Brighton. He's probably much more a overpaid kind of player like that, which probably much more fitting in at Palace, probably. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, and again, they've, they've had wage structure uh, problems, I think, in the past. They've got rid of a load of people on high wages. It looks like they might be getting some new ones in on high wages. I don't know what sort of length of deal that might be, end up being, but... Uh, if it's a long one, could be a problem, especially if no, they do carry though, on. Okay. They'll, just go out, they'll just go to administration and get away with it and then reform as Crystal Palace 2022 or something. Oh, as they yeah. usually do. And then to leave yeah. themselves there, the second oldest club in the country rather than our, yeah. our baby brothers, four years younger. Hodson, <laughs> yeah. uh, Edward, isn't it? They'll it. probably do anyway. <laughs> yeah, I started thinking Edward was his first name for some reason. Yeah, Odson Edward, isn't it? That's his name. Yeah, but um, it'd be really confusing I'm... if his name was Edward Edward. That would be a... <laughs> Maybe, yes. Um, Arsenal, that's the other one, of course. Arsenal have had a window that all their fans are moaning about. Spending 50 mil on White, he will prove, I think, worth it in the long term, but short term, maybe not. They've continued they're, they're to struggle. worries are, are definitely bigger than Ben White, I would say, without not being yeah. unkind yeah. to him. Yeah. I mean, they they were got dreadful at 5 0 at City, didn't they? Um, so and they are bottom of the table. showed again that he's the most unreliable player in the world. What's this kind of like? And they've given him a longer deal and they've kept him on as captain. Crazy stuff. He's not a great player at all. I don't get another player. No, he's not a great player team. anyway, but he's, yeah. even ignoring that, he's a massive liability in terms of... And let's be honest, City were already two up and cruising when he got sent off, so 
they probably yeah. would have stuffed them anyway. But yeah, yeah it, it, I mean, Arsenal are just a bit of a basket case, aren't they? I mean, they're yeah. bottom of the league with, with no, no points and minus no goals after three games and minus nine. <laughs> yeah, we could have been nine ahead of them if we won at the weekend. Uh, yeah. um, still, we can have a bit of fun with our Arsenal chums later on, I'm sure. Speaking of Arsenal, um, they're after Bologna defender Takahiro Tomiyasu, uh, which apparently is, is coming close to, to being completed, which will be interesting. That's the only other bit of news at the moment. And there will be other things after we finish recording this, of course. And um, we can't be bothered to tell you about those uh, necessarily, unless they're Albion related. Yeah. So, Peter, well, should we go through... Mbappe, so... we'll be like kind of back online. Yeah. Well, friend of the show and friend of ours, Charlie, um, posted on our, one of our WhatsApp groups a list of all the, um, the Albion ins and outs um, just before we started list. recording, which is very convenient timing. It is a long list. Um, just to quickly go through all of this, for anyone that doesn't know all of the ins and outs so far. So we brought in Jeremy Sarmiento from Benfica. So we did get one signing from Benfica, um, who's gone into the, um, obviously, with the 23s and developmental stuff. Um, Gary Dicker. That seems a familiar name from the past, who had been at Kilmarnock, has come in. He's really in a coaching role for the 23s, but he's also registered and uh, engaged in being a player uh, for that team. That's one of the overage players permitted. Enoch Mwepu, of course, from Salzburg, who's already integrated into the first team. Um, Gail Schleppen from Ajax, the goalkeeper, our new tallest player at six foot eight, who was initially injured, I think, with a minor injury and um, hopefully back in action soon he's basically I would assume back up. with Walton being loaned out that um he has been he would be yes Walton's gone out that's another bit of news since we last recorded well, no, I was just saying that uh yeah talk, I, talk. I was I just meant that we probably wouldn't have let Walton go if it had been yeah so it's a sure sign he's going to be all right isn't he um speaking of Japanese players as we were talking about Arsenal just now uh Kaoru Mitoma Kawasaki Frontale or Kasawaki, as uh, Warren Aspinall called them, um, he's signed, he's gone out on loan, but he's, you know, he's obviously one for the future. And Mark Kukureya from Getafe, today's latest edition. And, um, yeah, and yeah. since that list, it's like Abdullah, Abdullah Simmer as well. Yes, Abdullah Simmer has also signed. So Kukureya from Getafe, Abdullah Simmer from Slavia Prague, and the latter has gone on loan to Stoke, where, of course, Leo Ostergaard is already on loan as well. So we've got two players on loan at Stoke, two players on loan at West Brom. Two on loan at Blackburn. Two on loan at Blackburn. We're pairing them up, aren't we? Yeah. Anyway, that's that's the list of incomers so far, and we would like to see one more, wouldn't we, Peter, striker? Listen to this list of outgoings. How many many did you say this was? You counted it up. 24, 25 now with Basuma. Yeah. With Basuma, did you say? With Sima. Oh, yeah, sorry, yes. I was going to say, yeah. they do sound quite similar if you don't hear properly. It's, um, that's going to be confusing as season. But if you don't right. hear properly, everything sounds similar. That's <laughs> yeah. right, the outgoings then. Jose Izquierdo has been released. Teddy Jenks has gone on loan to Aberdeen, as we've spoken before. Davy Proper went to PSV. Uh, Alex Cochran went to Hearts on loan. Jan Mlakar, one I don't think we mentioned, actually went uh, on a permanent deal to Hadjuk Split for an undisclosed fee, I believe it was. Uh, Bernardo, of course, who never really got a, a long run with us, did he? He's gone to Salzburg. Ryan Longman, friend of Danny Cashman, uh, who was on loan at, at Wimbledon last year, Longman. He's now on loan at Hull. So he's another one going up through the levels, which is great to see. Still got potential. Uh, 
Victor Jokeres has gone to Coventry after a loan spell there last season, and he's been doing well. He does like hitting the bar, actually, so I'm wondering if we should get him back to the Albion. Well, after all, but... when you go, if you ever yeah. go. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But no, good luck to him. He's, he's actually started pretty well there. Uh, Romerick Yappi, remember him? Vitessa Arnhem, he's gone on a permanent, I think. Matt Ryan, of course, inevitably left. In the end, it wasn't to Arsenal, it was to Real Sociedad. And Jensen Weir, another of our young bucks we signed in last summer, has gone on loan this year to Cambridge. Do you want to take over there from there, Peter, with the list and yep. do the second half? So, second half of the list, we got Matt Clark, who's gone to West Brom on loan. Yeah. Oh, Wash Rushworth's already getting quite decent reviews at Walsall on loan. Um, so, hopefully, he'll have a good season there. And it was... Obviously, fair and order on an undisclosed fee. Ben White to Arsenal. Again, undisclosed, but we, the general feeling seems to be 50 million. Karu Mitoma, who we mentioned earlier, has gone out to uh, Tony's Belgian club, Royal Union San Giloire, uh, on a season-long loan. Hopefully, next season, he'll then better get a work permit, because I think that was the reason he went out on loan. Leo Ostergaard to Stoke, the first of our two Stoke City loanees, and apparently he's already got brave reviews there, been pretty impressive. Yeah, doing really Florian, well. Florian Andone, loan to Cadiz, which sounds like it's with a view to a permanent deal. Percy Tao Al-Ali in uh, Egypt. He's been up, gone there for an undisclosed fee. Uh, Jason Malumbi, West Brom on loan as well. He's actually, there seems to be a deal in place if they, with them in the season. Uh, Mikhail Karbovnik, Olympiakos. Some debate whether that's a loan or a loan to buy. I really hope it's a loan only because he's a young player and we, you know, he looked quite decent when we, a couple of times. Yeah. If, and also played. subject, before before Kukureya came in, of course, people were getting quite anxious about the fact that yeah. he'd gone out because we were short on that. Numbers. I still would have rather kept him, to be honest. I still find it weird that we've left ourselves a bit short defensively. Um, yeah. John Paul Van Heck, um, Blackburn. Um, so he he has gone on a season-long loan. First of, yeah. um, first of a... A couple of Blackburn ones, uh, or second of a couple of Blackburn ones um, today, overall. Uh, Andy Zakiri, Altsburg, decent loan, but I would have rather kept him personally. But um, yeah, in fact, if, um, uh, the other one that's off this list is Kadra, who we're going to mention as well. Christian Wilson, Ipswich loan deal, potentially the last deal now, because he may well leave at the end of the season, I thought, because he's only got one year left of his contract. Then Reedy Kadri, who's gone to Blackburn today, so two interesting signings for us at Black loan signings for us at Blackburn. Um, so I hope they both do quite well. And then finally, last but no means least, and there is talk of one or two possibly other other players going out on loan um, later on. Abdullah Satsima, who has gone on loan to Stoke. The interesting yeah. ones to me who aren't on there are Taylor Roberts, Taylor Richards, sorry, and uh, and yeah, Roberts, the defender, who are hmm. both going to be. Hopefully, potentially staying then as like extra options. So, um, but yeah, Richards obviously came on at the weekend. But it looks like Potter potentially rates him. Um, hmm. I so do as well. Hmm. Yeah, I think I, that's a good point actually about Robertson Richards because they they're both good players, really good talents. They do have that feel of players that really could make it actually yeah. in in the Albion's team as it currently has status um, in the Premier League and. Yeah, good luck to them. Let's see if they can break in. That would be good. Andy Zakiri is the curious one for me. We didn't actually mention him earlier. I should have done. Um, yeah, he's gone to Augsburg, which in its own right is a good loan deal, a good club, good level in Germany. Probably the near one of the nearest things you can get to English football, I guess. Yeah, I think, in it, terms I think of it is continental loans. Yes. Yeah, but a curiosity given a our lack of strikers in general, um, and b um, you know he's he's been touted as a, quite a flexible option that can play in other roles as well. So on that basis, but particularly on the lack of striker, 
basis. I'm rather surprised to see him go out at this stage, especially when he's got in amongst the goals for that goal in the League Cup, uh, which was well taken against Cardiff last week, midweek. Um, so, yeah, a bit of a curiosity, that one. We're really riding close to the wave. And this is what's been worrying. And I haven't looked at Twitter today or anywhere else, but I'm assuming there's a lot of bedwetting going on. And I usually say that in a derogatory term, but I actually mean this in a, probably much more of an understandable term this time. Um because we, we're lacking in strikers. Now, if Sima has gone on loan for the season and can't come back in because of what you said about the, the three clubs in one If that's season true, role. yeah, which I think it is. Yeah. I've, I've read it. I I, I'm pretty sure that's right, yeah. yeah. Then we are very short on strikers because you, yeah. you're talking about, obviously, we've got more pay. Uh, obviously, we've got Welbeck, who's subject to any further injuries, is, is back with us at the moment. And you've got Connolly, who's still very much jury's out kind of guy. Yeah, I think he's got. I mean, I was probably being a bit harsh on him last week with the Watford game, um, but I do think he's got. You know, clearly, he's got a, lot, eyes he's still got on a him. point to prove. Should we say if you're? Yeah, I can. Even if see why we kept him. Would say he's got a yeah. point to prove. Yeah, I can see why we kept him, and I know I did say maybe loan him and keep Zakiri, but six of one, half a dozen of the other. But so we have got those three, and they're fine. That's great. But Simmer's come in, but he's gone on loan, so we haven't got him. Um, obviously, other options have now gone out. Um, unless we do sign another striker uh, who is first team ready or first team capable, um, um, which may be in the form of a loan, which is the one option I'm holding out for in this window. Um, that's very thin on the ground, isn't it? And I know yeah. many other people we've spoken to, contributors to this podcast, other fans that we've chatted to and, and we share opinions with on WhatsApp and various other places are all expressing the same view that Three isn't quite enough. The only exception to that, if if we stick with what we've got, is if Graham Potter genuinely believes one of these young players could break through this season and would be a suitable enough backup for this season to those three players, particularly thinking of Welbeck and Connolly if, if they're, they're not up to the scratch or injured. Um, so Ferguson obviously coming through the ranks. We've got Tolai, we've got um, another fellow who's coming up and, and you've got Andrew Moran who's more of an attacking midfielder those guys could kind of do a job if they needed to but you wouldn't want to be in a position where you end up having to rely on them successfully making the transition into the first team out of the blue say just after January for example or just just after this window closes and having a, a you know a good dozen 15 18 games maybe more where we have to rely on them and the pressure is on them to perform. Uh, we've seen what happened with Connolly. He came in, he got a, a fantastic start. Then things obviously subsided for a while. And you have to kind of dip those players in and out and manage them carefully. You don't want to have a player of, say, for example, Evan Ferguson's age being put in and suddenly being kept in, um, regardless of his developmental needs in terms of the team and just being played week to week because we've got an injury crisis. And you know what happens if you leave yourself short in one area of the pitch, you know what happens. Exactly what's going to happen there is more pay will get a long-term injury, Welbeck will carry on with his injury problems, and Connolly won't be able to, to find any form. And you'll so, be left with Connolly yeah. plus no plus and literally, on the, the title race has been decided the last two seasons by that. Liverpool yeah. and Man City were level yeah. two, three years ago. One point separated them. Two years ago, Liverpool were miles ahead because City lost one of their three centre-halves and they didn't replace company. Yeah. And similarly, Liverpool last year didn't replace Lovren and had major centre-half problems all season. I don't understand why the club don't, that don't learn from that sort of situation. I know it's not exactly the same. And you know, maybe we get away with it. But if we're seriously wanting to push top 10, which 
the club keep mentioning, players keep saying we're pushing for top 10. So presumably they're not just making that up. You know, mm. there must be an ambition to do that. We needed to get a better striker in who probably won't be in, you know, close to top 10. We'll be bottom six, I'd say, with this strike force we've got now. Because for all yeah. our, you know, defensively we look okay most of the time. For all, you know, this, this and that, we, we're not going to score enough goals, I don't think, honestly, yeah. to be anything and other the, than six or seven. The irony is that this this had the potential to be a very good window because all of the other business was good. Um, yeah. Getting a load of people out to much better loans. We've got some good players in like Kukurea now and obviously players we've brought in Reduce before. Reduce the wage bill. Reduce the wage bill. Um, everything's developing nicely. Everything's moving on nicely. But that missing ingredient, we, we thought might have sorted, yeah. hasn't happened. Edouard was one option. Darwin Nunes was another, which seems to have gone dead. Maybe it hasn't. Who knows? But if we aren't going for one of those serious first-team option strikers, the only other thing we've got there is maybe a loan to give Simmer and others time to integrate into English football, then go for a loan, and then we're looking at maybe Origi, maybe you've got someone like Nketiah at Arsenal, maybe Balogun at Arsenal, although he's not particularly an out-and-out striker. But it's those kind of signings that you might end up going for. Yes, you could get lucky and get someone that we haven't thought of, like Danny Welbeck last year, and he might do well enough to fill the gap. I'm hoping we're not going to go for Andy Carroll, <laughs> who is available at the moment, as far as we know, uh, because I, I, in fact, apparently he's interesting Reading, which tells you all you need to know about him at the moment. Um, but maybe there's some free agents out there, but that's not really what we want to be doing. I mean, we're not splashing no. money on strikers every year here and getting it wrong season after season and thinking, well, do we really want to keep doing that? We're not doing that. We're only doing it once in a while. And yes, yeah. it hasn't gone well for us with Lacardia in the past and with other strikers. But... But Mopé went might... OK. You know, Mopé's done all right for the money that we yeah, spent Mo- on him. Yeah, Mopé's been all right. Zakiri yeah. looks promising for the money, the limited money we put on him. Hopefully this... Mm. Uh, hopefully Seema does well as well. You know, this, you know, when, when he actually comes and plays for the club, I think they're, they're taking quite a low-level gamble, so I'm, and I'm OK with that, but we need someone in the meantime who's going to come in and score the goals. And, yeah, they don't seem to... Yeah, it just, I just find the whole kind of difference between the, the kind of what the, what the club seem to be saying, of like, we want to be a top one, top ten club and develop and move on, and what actually the reality is that they don't seem to want to spend. If they don't want to spend, that's fair enough. But if Tony's had enough of investing and wants to make sure we break even every year and that's why we're not spending 30 million on a striker or 25 million, that's fine. I don't have an issue with that. But stop putting out stuff that, you know, kind of t- goes against that. And the irony yeah, is, that's, that's we, we signed a player in our strongest position in Wepu. And, you know, I, I, I wonder if they still, they thought then that Basuma was going to be going. Because otherwise, I don't see any reason why they've invested some of their, if they've got a limited fund for the summer, why they've invested some of it in him. I don't, I'm not saying he's not a good player. It's just he is in a position where we've got a lot of competition. Yeah, it's an interesting signing. And I do wonder as well whether we planned either in, for the immediate time or for the, the short future time, whether Basuma was off, whether there was actually a, a, a potential deal early in the window and it didn't happen, maybe, who knows. Um but yeah, it's a curiosity. Speaking of Basuma, by the way, um, I noticed Charlie Haffenden, who we had on our uh, podcast a while ago, a budding young journo type, um, Albion fan as well. Hello to you if you're listening, Charlie. He posted on, I think it was on Twitter, um, on his hashtag, uh, which uh, on his um, handle, which is at journohaff, um, a picture of Basuma with an Albion cape, which I'll show to you, Peter, if you haven't seen it already. Um, so he, the, the club appeared to have made him a birthday cake, which is very nice. That's um, nice this, is for, this is for yesterday, which was the um, 
30th of August, which was his birthday. Happy birthday to Biss. I didn't realise it. So he's now 25 years old. Um, and hopefully, hopefully staying with us. I can't imagine any very late in the day deals for him this window. Right. Much as the media seem very, very keen on that happening. They've been pushing it, haven't they? All the pundits, the media. Nobody can believe that nobody's put a bid in for him. Maybe they have. Who knows? Um, all I can say is this second beer that I mentioned, the um, Hickory Clan Caviar, Maple and Pecan Danish Stout, is phenomenal. Really nice. The long old name. I've, yes, I know. It's worth it. It's worth it. And um, it's delicious. Very good. Recommended. Got that from Beer 52, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, any other business from you, Peter? I think that no, pretty much sums it up, isn't me. it? Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's. Just, I think we've summed up everything we've, we feel, haven't we, really? It's just frustrating mm. that we seem to have had like so many transfer windows but we sit here and say we haven't got a striker in we haven't got a striker in and it um, looks like barring one that's gone straight out on loan it's the same again here i mean on simmer though he does look a good player doesn't he he does look, look a good player I, I have no issue and if we kept him for the for till january and then looked again i, I would have been fine ironically even mm. that even if but at least he would have been an option then even if he's maybe a bit raw he still would have been an option but i just yeah. find the loaning of him and zakiri both out is very odd the only other thing I'm worried about, I'm worried about the African Cup of Nations as well, because you've got Mwepu, I think, is representing his, yeah, he's representing Zambia, isn't he? Basuma for Mali, and obviously the new fella, even if he was with us, might actually be called up to Senegal. Um, and so we might be missing a few players. I'm not sure what the circumstances I think might Basuma's be. Basuma's not played list. for Mali for a while. There's been some sort of issue with the coach or something, I think, or something. That's true, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it does affect other teams, like Ishmael Assar, for example. Liverpool would be a a big loss, Mane and Salah. Yeah, yeah. And um, also um, Naby Keita, I think, and a couple of others, yeah. Mm. He's he's less of a regular when everyone's fit, though, whereas mm, Salah and Mane are obviously quite a big part of that team. Yeah. And I know it's it's a worry for another day, that, as far as the Albion goes, but that would be a little bit... um, uh, another issue to deal with later yeah. on in uh, in time. Um, anyway, yeah, I mean that pretty much rounds it up. Robin didn't make it on. I didn't think he would actually, because uh, you know if you're on holiday trying to get Wi-Fi, not always great, is it? Um, and he's got family over there with him, uh, so not so easy. But um, maybe we'll get you on soon, Robin. We are hopefully going to get Billy the Bee, Billy Grant, who's the besotted podcast guy. An ardent Brentford and England fan. We're trying to get him on the next episode. He was supposed to have been on before and had to pull out. Um, he said he's hopefully okay for next week. So at some point next week, we, we should hopefully be getting him on our podcast. Either way around, that will be the next preview, which is for the Brentford game, which takes place on the 11th. Um, if we do get any exciting news last minute from tonight, we'll come back on and talk about that. And you will be hearing that in a few seconds time, if that's the case. Um, but I think that's probably going to wrap it up for this one. Once again, if you can, guys, please do rate us five stars on Apple. Subscribe, follow, write, write your write-ups about us. Apparently, it doesn't matter what you say as long as you do. Um, that will all be helpful. You can contact us, Twitter, at Brighton Rock Pod, or email brightonrockpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and Peter, anything else to declare before we Nothing sign out? Nothing from me, no. Okay, here we go then. It's the usual. Stand or fall. Up the Albion.
Hi, just me, RG, popping back on for a quick follow-up to our podcast today. Um, As expected, no further business was done in terms of um, key incomers. Um, We didn't sign that first-team ready, oven-ready striker that we hoped for but suspected we wouldn't get. That was indeed the case. Two bits of Albion business did take place, though, after we finished recording, uh, Peter and I. First of all, Albion loaned out the midfielder Moises Caicedo, who we signed, of course, last year. Um, He's now gone on loan to Belgium top-flight side Beershot. Sounds like a good name for a team. Um, On a season-long loan deal. Um, Ecuadorian international, of course. Um, We got him from Independiente del Valle in February, actually, of this year. It wasn't last year. Um, And he needs some game time. He needs some time out. It's sensible. It's an area where we are strong and we probably don't need to to worry about strength and depth. And um, he needs some game time and he needs some assimilation into the English game. So I'm pretty happy with that move, to be honest. And one other bit of news was that Lars Dendonka, our young defender has gone on loan to, yes, the Scottish Premiership again, uh, St Johnston. Um, he's gone out for the rest of the season, subject to international clearance. He's 20 years old. He arrived in August last year, and um, he's been a regular with the under-23s. Um, but he needs, again, to get some senior first-team football in. And Albin have confirmed um, that was the last bit of business for the window. So um, quite a few outgoings. I think that adds up to a total now of 30 altogether, I think, 30 people out on loan or released on a permanent deal. Um, The only other thing to mention really is on that Real Madrid bid for Mbappe. Aren't those guys skint and saying that football can't survive without them having overprivileged and underdeserved opportunities through the European Super League? I thought they were skint, and yet they're willing to spend £220 in the end. This is absolutely ridiculous. Glad that didn't go through. PSG, of course, are a crazy club. The only club in the world, you can imagine, that would happily, um, well, turn down 220 mil. But there we go. So I'm going to wrap up this podcast just with one more bit. Um, It's a quote, actually, from Robin, who couldn't make it onto the uh, episode that we were recording, Tuesday evening recording. Um, But he has posted on our WhatsApp group, and I think he summed it up very well in a post in which he says, In the cold light of day, my thoughts are that the club have made an error of judgment here. For the past few summers, transfer windows um, that I've raised the point of needing to strike a balance between investing for the future and investing for the first team. Again, I think we've gone too heavy on the former. During this window, we've offloaded four of the higher earners in Jose, um, AJ, Andone and Proper. We've also brought in close to £60 million in transfer sales. Allied with that, we've spent north of £20 million on three players, largely for the future, Sima, Mwepo and Mitoma. Based on the economics of the above, it is very difficult to argue, therefore, that we couldn't afford a striker. Look at Edouard, £15 million, possibly rising up to 18, and wages of £70,000 a week, easily fits within our wage structure. Nunes, similar. For the latter, if he's a player we've been chasing for two-plus windows, then we should have been ready to go all out straight away in June. I'm really struggling to digest that, in addition to loading out Swiss Andy, as Andy Zakiri, it just seems absolutely baffling to be in a situation where we've actually weakened 
the one position we really needed to strengthen. I think he sums it up very well there, and it's hard to argue against it. We've got the Fans Forum coming up in about a week's time. Um, I'll be listening in on that one rather than my usual attendance, I think, due to logistics. But um, it's going to be a very interesting one to listen to, and uh, we uh, will be doing so with a great deal of interest. And um, let's see how we get on. It's going to be tough, as I said on the podcast, chatting with Peter, if you've got a one-week area that you've left yourself open to, that's the one area where you're going to end up with shortages through injuries and suspensions and illness and various other things. Let's hope I'm wrong on that on this occasion. And that's about where I'm going to wrap it up for this episode. So thanks again for listening. And as always, I'll sign out by saying, stand or fall, up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network.